the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Welcome to a special episode of Marital Tests, where we invite you into our marriage for the debates, discussions, and miscellaneous topics that make up our everyday life. I'm Tim. I'm Karen. And normally, this is where I, we would put in a joke about us being geeks and some hot topic from last week, but this isn't a normal episode. It's not. We have a really big announcement. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Yeah, you're pregnant. <laughs> Uh, we're expecting a baby. We are expecting And a baby. we've been dying to tell people. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this is Especially me. This uh, is this is it. We're we're out. Yeah. We out. This, this is this is the public announcement. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's I'm 13 weeks the when this comes out, 13 weeks in like one day. Yeah. And so in my second trimester, I think I saw today that I'm like right along the same timeline as Bindi Irwin's pregnancy. <laughs> so really, yeah. Really? So that's cool. Okay. I think I don't I, know. I thought she was further along. No, she posted today when we were recording this on Monday. She reposted a picture of her ultrasounds, and it was like pretty much what like a 12 week ultrasound looks like. Hmm. And that's when we're I'm 12 and a half weeks when we're recording this. So. I don't know. So cool, right? Birthday twins or birthing twins <laughs> or whatever. I'm due late in March, maybe early April. Yeah, I don't, somewhere in there. The official due date is late March, but, you know, I don't really know anybody who has ever been their exact due date. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, we will see, but we're very excited and we're very excited. We're, we're really, really excited. And we're really excited to finally be able to tell you guys. I think we've recorded like six or seven episodes when we've known that I'm pregnant and we have. And all I've wanted <laughs> to do is just make references to the fact that you were pregnant. I know. And it's been killing me. Yes. So uh, Tim is now satisfied. We are. We're out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pregnant. And one thing that we really wanted to do was share kind of our entire journey, our conception journey from kind of start up until now, um, which has been a pretty long journey. So we'd love to share that with you guys. And I guess we'll just start from the beginning. Trigger warning. We are sincere about wanting to invite you into the everyday parts of our lives and our marriage. So we want to share our journey to this point with you but that may be a little bit of a rough topic for some people especially when we get to discussion about pregnancy laws it may be triggering to some of you we will include some show notes that you know when you can skip to um, but we want to be honest about what we went through and we understand that that may not be something that all of you can handle so we do encourage you to jump to the uh, safe portion we'll let you know when that is in our show notes uh, but this is a trigger warning for you guys. Uh, I also want to say as kind of like a little disclaimer before we really get started as well. Anything that Tim and I discuss uh, in this episode or any future episodes to come about my pregnancy is just our decisions and our personal journey and what has made sense for us and what we were told medically 
Um, so we definitely don't judge anybody who has a different outlook on the journey of pregnancy or the decisions you need to make for pregnancy and conception and parenthood and all of those things. We're definitely not doctors. We're definitely not telling you how you should go about your pregnancy. Yeah. Um, we're just sharing how we are going about it because some of the things that we've been through, we feel need to be discussed a little bit more openly than they currently are. Yeah. Um, so that that's why we're kind of sharing our story in this way. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't want to have to say after everything that we discuss, you know, like, oh, but we're, we don't judge if you do something different or anything like that. I think I, we'd like it to be implied from here on out that yeah. there is absolutely no judgment for anybody who takes things in a different way than we would or that we did or are going to do. And, you know, that whole decision about having children or how to go about having children or how to go about your pregnancy and your parent, you know, your new parenthood and things like that is a very personal decision. And I think that we all can respect that we all have a different path to that. So, okay. So now that we've got the trigger warning and the disclaimer <laughs> out of the way. Yes. Let's go back to kind of the beginning of our story here. Mm -hmm. we, we've had a, a very long battle with the idea of conception and conceiving itself. Uh, it started actually before we even got married. And for those who are not aware, we've been married for almost two and a half years at this point. No. Um, but our journey for trying to conceive or TTC, as they call it, well, uh, started a little bit before we even got married. And that was because just due to some personal things or like things that happened in my past or feelings that I had, I, I had been wondering for a little while um, about my ability to conceive a child and to carry a healthy child to term and to have a healthy pregnancy and things like that. So it was at the point that we were engaged, but we were not yet married, that I decided that I wanted to speak to an OBGYN person about it. And that was the, you know, I happened to be needing like my annual visit and my pap smear and all of those things coming up anyway. So when I went um, for my annual, I decided I was going to speak to somebody about my concerns with fertility. And the, the person who saw me was a Midwife. It was not a doctor who performed the um, the pap smear and all of those things, which isn't all that uncommon, I don't think, in certain parts of the country. And I certainly don't have any, you know, issues with midwives, or and I don't think they're like unqualified or anything like that. But this particular midwife, in in like specifically, I ended up having kind of a problem with towards the end. Uh, but anyway, at the begin, we had you know the appointment. She performed my pap smear, cervical exam, all of those things. And at the end, she asked, you know, do you have any questions? And I said, well, I'm getting married and I really would like to, I have some concerns about fertility and I kind of explained to her why that was. And um, I was like, I just kind of want to know or to have some kind of information to share with my fiance so that we can, you know, talk about this. And kind of without another beat, she says, well, I, I feel pretty confident to say that you have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And 
I don't know too much about PCOS, to be honest. It's it's I mean, it's something that you can if you're interested or if you are concerned um, about that particular disease, you can look up or discuss with your practitioner or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm not the wealth of knowledge of information on that. So um, but I do know that it is very often cited as a reason why people have trouble conceiving. Mm-hmm. And I think and like and I just kind of took that when she said it. I didn't really ask for much information additionally. Uh, I assumed, you know, she she had just given me an exam. I, you know, she I had seen her before previously as well. So I thought, you know, maybe she knew something and maybe some differences in my my vitals. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I, I, I also was kind of primed to hear that, to hear that yeah. there was like some kind of confirmation. Like, yes, you will. Like, have- like you brought it up because you figured there was a problem. Yeah. So to hear that there was something that the doctor was seeing. It was it was a confirmation bias, I yeah. think, for me to accept it pretty willingly. And um, I said, OK, so well, what does that mean for me being able to have children? And she said, well, I would tell you that it's probably likely that it'll take you longer than most couples to conceive naturally without any type of medical intervention. Uh, I would estimate it would probably take you more than a year to conceive. So this was in what, 2016? This would have been late 2017. Something like that. Um, So I left the office, I went home and I talked to you about it. And it was a conversation that I felt was important to have before we got married because obviously we both had the expectation that we would have children together. And that was just part of our plans of marriage. It was something that we both wanted. Yeah. So I wanted to present that to you in case, you know, the, the the way that I was told and diagnosed essentially was that it if if I could have children at all, it would take a very long time and mm-hmm. possibly include some type of medical intervention to right. be able to do so naturally. Right. And I remember, you know, you, you coming home and telling me that. And I mean, it was a difficult decision, but mm-hmm. I mean, if we're being honest, you know, I didn't really back away from it because I knew there were other options. You know, even if we couldn't have kids in the quote unquote traditional way, you know, I knew that there was adoption and IVF and other options. So, you know, it didn't really deter me from wanting to get married or anything. I just knew that it was an obstacle we'd have to overcome. Yeah. So because of that, we actually started trying and I say that very lightly, trying to get pregnant before we ever got married. Yeah. Because. Probably within a couple of months of when, yeah. when you had that information. Because I was told, you know, it it could take you a very long time to get pregnant. And at that time, I'm not sure what was in our plans for when we wanted to have children. But I, I just thought we just decided together, like. Let's be really casual about it at first. Mm-hmm. You know, we essentially just stopped any method of birth control. At mm-hmm. that point, we weren't really doing anything beyond that in terms of like trying to have children. But I would say that's when really like our conception journey started was when we we really didn't have really any method of birth control. Yeah. And there, I mean, there were other factors for us too. We're both, you know, a little bit older than the traditional starting to have children phase that Mm -hmm. most people accept. Um, You know, 
they they told us it it could take more than a year and there weren't they weren't really going to do any intervention stuff until we had been trying for a year. Yeah, that the the office I saw and the person I saw made it pretty clear to me that until we had been trying for a year, they really weren't going to entertain any types of notions about additional help from right. them basically. So we we really kind of wanted to get started on trying. Right. Anticipating that it was going to take that long. Mhm. And obviously it, you know, it's been two and a half or three years. If, if you're <laughs> counting, that was more than a year ago. Yeah. So anyway, so that year, you know, we we got married. It was we enjoyed being newlyweds and I had my annual visit again around that same time and I went back and saw the same midwife the same person and at the end of the exam when she did my cervical exam and pap smear and all of that stuff she said like always you know do you have any questions for me and I said well you know my husband and I have been um pretty casually trying and I say casually because I know that there are there are more intensive methods that you can take when trying to get pregnant that we were not doing. And so I said casually, uh, we've been trying for a year. I'm not pregnant. So I'm concerned that maybe do, you know, at this point, what's the next step basically? Like, do we need to have fertility testing? Do we, do I need to start taking medicine? Is there need, you know, do we need to discuss saving money for like a more, you know, like an IVF type of thing. And she was like, well, I don't know. Sometimes people take a little while, especially if they're not, you know, doing all this stuff to get pregnant. And I was like, well, you know, I have PCOS. And she said, well, who told you that? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you, you did. Like literally you. Literally this, this individual that I'm speaking to right now you did in this office and I, I'm pretty sure the same exam room if we need like a, a year ago. a visual jog here of our memory. And she was like, well, why would I have said that? And I'm, I, I don't know, I don't lady. Know. You, you, you're the one who said it. Why would you have said it? <laughs> I don't know, lady. Like she was like, well, the, looking at you, there are some things that make me think maybe you don't have PCOS. Like I know one of the, um, this isn't present, obviously, in all cases, but I know one of the examples that people say is a symptom of PCOS is like you tend to have quite a bit more hair than like people who don't have PCOS, like more facial hair, more arm hair, things like that. Hmm. And she cited that as like a reason why she was like, I don't I don't think you have this. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't noticed you with a beard or anything. I'm like, lady, like, <laughs> I've been living with this diagnosis, my husband and I, for a year. What do you mean? And and she's like, well, and, and at that point, I didn't know anything about, and I still kind of don't know much about how PCOS is diagnosed in an official capacity. Like, if there, if there is any testing, what that testing looks like or, you know, what symptoms you have to present in order to be diagnosed with that, I'm really not sure. Um, but I can tell you that other than the traditional annual visit that you would expect at a gynecologist, no testing had been done to my knowledge on me. You just told me I have it. Yeah. Like this lady was just like, yeah, you have PCOS, like (laughs) pretty unapologetically too. Like she was just like, 
And so we li- we had lived with that for a year with this expectation and knowledge, really. I mean, like, what? who can you trust if not, like, a medical professional, basically, right. Right. <laughs> when they tell you you have something? And it's important to note this person wasn't a doctor. She was but, not a doctor. But she was representing the doctor's office and telling you this. Yeah. And I'm not sure really, again, I, I don't have anything against midwifery or anything like that, but I'm not sure what the rules are about who is able to diagnose a patient. And she she definitely diagnosed me. Yeah. At, and she didn't record anywhere in the chart that she had diagnosed me. There was no record of this doctor's office having like me having been told that I have PCOS. I'm starting to wonder if this person actually even worked there. <laughs> <laughs> I God. So at that point in the in the exam, she started to kind of have conversations with she wanted to start a conversation about like, well, what can do you want to have your husband come in? We can do, you know, fertility counseling and things like that. And at that point I was just too angry and too flustered with like being told that, you know, you have this thing and then no, you don't. It was, it was, it gave me a little bit of like emotional whiplash, I guess is like the best yeah. way to say it. Yeah. So I was just pretty done, like pretty over hearing anything that she had to say. And it, I didn't, at that point when I was told, oh, well, maybe you don't have PCOS. And I went home and told you, oh. I still felt Like the aspect that I had gone in initially was still true, like that I had initially gone into the doctor to speak about my fertility concerns, that it would take a long time. I still felt in my heart that that was a true statement. Well, yeah, because we had been trying kind of even casually for a year and still Mm -hmm. had no success. Yeah. And there were times throughout the past however many, (laughs) you know, years or whatever that we we ebbed and flowed a bit in our intensity of trying. Like right. there were months that we, you know, we took like a month off from trying or right. we were going through like a transitional period in our marriage and in our life. And so we decided to take a break for a month or two or something right. like that. And one of those was we were looking at buying a house. Mm-hmm. And that was at the end of last year, 2019. Yeah. So and at this point, you were two years after the initial, yes, you have PCOS, yeah. and a year after the, no, you don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who told you that? Yes, exactly. And it, and really throughout all of the times in our marriage that either we hadn't been trying or had been trying, there there are, and I do want to say that there are things that you can do at home that are sometimes recommended or suggested as ways to potentially increase your chances. I don't know if there's any validity to that. Again, I'm not a doctor, but there there are certain things that this like TTC, as I said before, trying to conceive, there's a very large community of that. And no shortage of tools. Yeah. Um, there's a large community of people who are in the TTC process who all, you know, most of them are on forums or are reading things. And I was never part of that community because I just, I wasn't interested for my own sake um, of, of 
joining any type of TTC community or in trying any of the methodology or tools that were sometimes suggested. And by that, I mean that sometimes there are recommendations, not even necessarily from doctors, but from other women in that community who sometimes say, and some of these are from doctors as well, but to say like, you know, you should change your diet, you should change your lifestyle habits, you should change um, the way that you have sex with your partner, you should be tracking certain things about your vitals, like your temperature and your mucus and all of those things. And, um, or you should be having sex in certain positions. And so why didn't you want to do all those? For me, it wasn't. And for us, really, I, I just don't think that it would have been the right decision because I, knew that I would have taken it to a point where it was an extreme. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been something for me that was just a casual, like, you know, I kept a little diary recording like my little temperatures and, you know, my symptoms and how I was feeling that day and everything. It wouldn't have been that casual for me. For me, it would have been pretty militant. I think like I would have been extremely strict with myself and strict with you and it would have put a lot of stress on us. It would have, because that's just who I am as a person. And I I knew that even though it might have meant that we were trying longer, to me, it was not worth putting that stress on our marriage that's and right. on myself. And there were some things that we did. I mean, I tracked my period very religiously. I right. looked at when it calculated my ovulation days to be. I did you know, lay down for a while after we had sex and didn't move. I, um, but you weren't doing stuff like the ovulation sticks and right. all of the other stuff. Like there's so many tools out there yeah. for you to do. Absolutely. And you weren't really doing all of that. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I said, I didn't want to say this after every statement, but if people are doing that, if they, yeah. you know, I don't think that it's crazy to yeah. do that by any means. You have means. to do what's right for you. And you recognize that it would have driven you insane. Yeah. It just, for for my personality and the way that I take in stress, if there is stress around me, I become a sponge for stress. Like if there, if there is data and numbers and things to compare myself to, I take in that stress very easily. Who are you talking to? I'm all <laughs> about comparing numbers for no reason. I know. I'd have had Excel spreadsheets. I know, yeah. Like, we would have been able to look back on, well, what was my basal body temperature, you know, two days and three months ago at 5 p.m.? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that for us, it just wasn't right. We probably, like, it, it's very possible we could have run ourselves into a divorce or, you know, on that route. Yeah, because that's a, just the type of people we are. We're hyper analytical mm -hmm. and, you know, we take a lot of that on ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And as it was, I was already pretty stressed. I was already pretty stressed about the like it, it, it really was like a private battle that not that you and I were having against each other, but it was like you and me versus trying to have children. Right. And. It was a struggle that, like I said, we, we really didn't share with many people that we just, you know, every month when my period came, I would 
shed a little tear or I would come out to you and you would hold me. And, and that was, that was that, you know, it was just a, there was a sad time in our marriage every month for a a couple years, you know, pregnancy tests. Yeah. And I, (laughs) y'all in my conception, in our conception journey, I probably took about a hundred pregnancy tests, Yeah, (laughs) which was a surprise to me when I told you that. Yeah. Over the course of what, like two years, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, You took like a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of them. Yeah. Because, and even in the months that we weren't, trying that we were like let's take a break this month I would still test because I was you know we were were still married we're still sleeping together like I thought maybe there was a chance that you know giving myself the break of okay we're trying this month mentally would mean that you know that something would happen for us and I don't know so it it was just a very difficult time and we had taken a little bit of a break towards the end of 2019 when we were looking at buying the house and, you know, we kind of wanted the we wanted to get to that stability point. It was a time of a lot of change. Yeah. And Tim had said, well, once we are in this new house, let's start trying again and let's let's start looking at other possibilities, right. potentially looking into adoption seriously or looking into getting fertility testing, you know, from a lab, you know, somewhere or I'm not speaking to some idiot who, <laughs> you know, and just kidding. I'm sure she's a great midwife in other instances, but this one lady, y'all, this one lady. <laughs> Anywho, so we buy our house. We move in the middle of December. Yeah, just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I get what, like, end of January 2020? Yeah, it was mid to late January. I got a positive pregnancy test. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, it was a very, like, it was very strong, very strong, positive. The, you know, the two lines showed up really quickly and we were, we were really excited, you know, that I had, I mean, I'd taken how many of these things and finally <laughs> it shows up with two lines and it, that was the first. And like definitively. Yeah. I mean, there was no arguing that second line. It wasn't a faint line. It wasn't like a, now you see it, now you don't, depending on who you ask kind of person. It was like. It was they, like, boom, you pregnant. Yeah. So, and it showed up like immediately. So I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. And that makes sense too, because according to my last period, I would have been about six weeks when we found out. And I waited so long to test because I was a little frustrated with myself. I was like, you don't, don't do this to yourself. Like don't take another test. It's just going to be negative. This is, and to me looking back now, it's funny that I thought that because I was like, you're not, this is not like, you're not pregnant, you know? Yeah. But I was pregnant and I had it confirmed at a doctor's office they make you they make you like come in in this part of North Carolina where we live. I don't know if this is true everywhere, but they make before anybody will schedule you for anything, they make you come in to a doctor's office to confirm your pregnancy with urine. Uh, it was never a blood test for me, but with urine, they made me come in to confirm and it was confirmed that I was pregnant. Um so me being pregnant at the end of January slash early February, we were excited, but I was also really anxious the entire time. 
I remember, and I know you remember too. Oh, yeah. Me just being anxious. Like, I spent probably every moment and probably annoyed you a lot trying to talk about the baby. (laughs) And what are we going to do about this baby? And, like, we need to prepare for the baby. And Yeah. Yeah. You were stressing yourself out a lot over that one. I was extremely anxious the entire time. I mean, I took, like, tests every day or every other day to you know, confirm. And in my mind, that's what it was too. It was like, I need to confirm that I'm still pregnant. It wasn't like I need to just like get a collection of pregnancy tests together. It was like, I need to, I need to make sure it's still there. Yeah. And that was always the thought. And in the three weeks that we were pregnant, I mean, we had done a lot. We had done, we Moved my office from one of the bedrooms to a different area of the house to prepare that to be the nursery. I had names picked out. I had the baby shower theme picked out. I had baby clothes that I had saved to my Pinterest and everything like that. But I was very anxious about like actually moving forward with like purchasing anything. And I remember like I I did at one point because uh, a family member invited me to go shopping and I did, but I wasn't really that excited about it. And that's probably because the day that we went shopping, the three days prior, I had started to spot. And it was Mm. um, extremely light. I mean, and it was, you know, it was brown. It was very, very faint. It never like, and this is going to be graphic. Sorry, guys. So again, if you don't want to hear this, you can skip forward. But um, it was, it had never like reached my underwear. It was so light, you know, it was always like on toilet paper and stuff that I saw like the little brown telltale sign of spotting. And so that happened for about three days. I called, I remember calling the nurse of the OBGYN clinic that I never ended up visiting because they wouldn't, they didn't want to see me until I was 10 weeks. So I never actually was a patient at that clinic. Um, but I called the emergency nurse being like, I'm, I'm going to be a patient, but I haven't been seen yet because it's really early and I'm spotting. And she said, don't worry about it. It's probably, you know, it might be implantation spotting. It might have been, you know, if you and your husband had sex recently, it might have been that it might be, you know, a lot of women just experience spotting. So that happened for three days. There was a day that I had a break, which is a day that I went shopping and then Um, the day after it picked up again and it still was the same. It was like spotting. I called this nurse, this emergency nurse at the, at the clinic I was meant to go to probably about three or four times, always saying the (laughs) same thing. And every time she was like, you know, it's probably normal if you're feeling additional symptoms like cramping or if it starts to, she said, if you are bleeding enough that it soaks the pad within an hour, go to the emergency room. And it was never that much right up until i think it was a tuesday night in late february in late february um it was i think about 9 or 10 p.m i'm not really sure but i started to notice that the coloring of the discharge the spotting had changed into more of a brighter red pinky color and it was more spotting than it was previously but it was not it still wasn't enough to quote unquote fill the pad within an hour. So I, I was like worried, but I had been worried the entire time, you know, of being pregnant. And I was like, well, it's really late. I'll just call somebody again in the morning. And you had gone to bed. I stayed up until I think about 1, 1 AM. And I woke up at four thirty 
a few hours later um, and I went to the bathroom and I knew something was wrong. And when I went to pee, my underwear and pajamas had been completely, completely soaked in blood. Mm. I mean, it was soaked. So I, I, and I don't remember, like, I don't remember if I was sad. I don't remember if I was like, I don't remember how I felt. I just remember being like, okay, well, we're going to the hospital. So I got in the shower. I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital in bloody underwear. (laughs) So I got in the shower and I just had a little private, like, moment to feel my feelings. And then I went and woke you up. You took me to the hospital. This was uh, pre-COVID also. This was... Just before COVID. This was late February. I think Corona had kind of just been documented in the U.S., Things yeah. hadn't been locked down and wouldn't be locked down for another like two to three weeks. Yeah, it was late February and, I, you know, you were able to go to the hospital with me. We didn't have to wear masks or anything like that. So it was before all of those concerns. And I'm so glad you were with me. But yeah, yeah things moved pretty quickly. I mean, I saw all told I saw probably about 15 or 20 people between all of the techs and nurses and different doctors that they had come and speak to me. And it was all quite blurry <laughs> um i i remember that day pretty clearly though like it was i know i think that day was harder for you than it was for me probably i mean i'm i'm just gonna come out and say it the phone calls that i had to make that day were probably the hardest calls i've ever had to make yeah because we know? had told our close family yeah our close family and friends all knew that you were pregnant um so, you know, calling your mom and my mom and being like, hey, we're at the hospital and, you know, we Karen lost the baby. We've lost the baby mm-hmm. was probably and to do that, you know, four or five times. I don't remember how many times I had to make that phone call yeah. to let everybody who was important know it was very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about how. In a coronavirus world, you wouldn't have been able to make it. But in a corona world, neither of our families would have been able to be there. And I don't know how I would have survived that day Yeah, <laughs> going through all that. It's not an easy thing to make. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who... You're a fixer. I'm a fixer. <laughs> you like to fix I, things. I You're like, am, give, me, give me something to do. I am most struggling when I'm helpless yeah. or, or, or when I'm unable to be helpful Mm -hmm. i'm not helpless it's i'm unable to help yeah and in a situation like that i'm there's nothing i can do except sit there and pretend that it's not bothering me so that it it's a little easier on you and i mean that was honestly probably the hardest day i've been through in my entire life yeah i mean you have to watch your wife get like wheeled away <laughs> right. to different departments and things that you can't go into and you don't know what's happening. And I mean, it's fair. Like as much as I don't think people talk about their own personal battles with miscarriage enough, I, I certainly don't think there's a lot out there from the partners of people who like the fathers. Well, guys don't talk who, about things like that, at least, yeah. you know, traditionally and stereotypically. Yeah, we don't. And it's it's not easy on us. Right. You know, obviously the physical aspect is not easy on the women. You know, I'm not trying to take away from that at all. But 
the mental aspect is not it's not easy to be a guy in that situation. Yeah. I mean, we can't do no anything. No cakewalk for the ladies either. But <laughs> not trying to say it is. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that I've cried as much as I have that day. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's a very difficult situation for everybody involved. Yeah. It it was it was just a very helpless feeling because it's not even like you know and I've read on forums and things like that sometimes people have bleeding and they go to the hospital and then they're sent back home and they're like okay stay on bed rest and like we'll see you back here in like a day or two and like there was none of that I mean that's hard also but it was just like you know it's gone and there's nothing to save and there's nothing to do so you have to just wait for surgery, which I ended up having. Um, The OBGYN emergency doctor who ended up coming down, I actually really liked her. (laughs) There there was was one point where I'm in the room. Were you there when this happened? She was like talking to me and she's like, because they had asked me a lot of you know, what are your symptoms? Are you, and I had, I was having very painful cramping and I had some pain in like my upper back and shoulders and things like that. I don't, I don't remember if I was there for that particular conversation. She was like, so we're worried that it is a tubal or ectopic pregnancy due to just, you know, that's just something that we look for with, with, I mean, I was, I don't, I didn't know I had that much blood in my body. Like, I'm surprised they didn't give me like a transfusion or something. Like there was, I was soaking through one of those hospital pads probably every 15 minutes. Mm. Like, I'm not exaggerating like that. It was, I didn't know that I had that much blood in my body. And, and also I guess, cause I said I was having shoulder pain and they thought that that was perhaps indicative of a tubal pregnancy, but she goes, um, So what we're going to do is we're going to open up your fallopian tubes. And if it is an ectopic pregnancy, we're going to have to remove one of your tubes. And at that point, (laughs) at that point, I started crying. I don't think I cried a single tear all day. But at that point, I started crying and I said, I'm really sorry. (laughs) And she goes, why are you sorry? And I'm like, I don't want to be that patient. And she goes, what patient? And I said, the dramatic one. (laughs) And she's like, girl. (laughs) You're going through something dramatic. Yeah. You're allowed to be dramatic. So anyway, after. I think she even said, like, you were one of the least dramatic patients she's ever had. Yeah, I think you were there. I think you were there. But anyway, and I'm just not a person who gets emotional really easily in front of even, like, family I, I can in front of you really easily, as no. you know, but I don't know. I just don't get emotional, really. Um, so anyway, they wheel me off to surgery and I ended up having two incisions because they did check my tubes first and it was not an ectopic pregnancy. So they went into my uterus and they performed a DNC. And I, Which I don't remember what that means what that stands for i'm not but i know it's basically they cleaned out all the remains the remnants yeah they anything that was left over from the embryo essentially or any clots or anything like that they they removed i'm fairly certain the c is cleaning 
I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I don't want to say that. I don't that. know what that means or any of that. Yeah. So um, they sent me home with painkillers and we were back home within 12 hours of when we were, when we left to go to the emergency room, which I thought was impressive. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, and it, I mean, you know, I, I, I really have to say, you know, our families were very supportive during all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have been able to make it without either of our families there. Yeah, unfortunately, very quickly after I went home and was sent home for recovery and was recovering from my surgery and everything like that, that's really when COVID hit. Yeah, it was about three weeks later, I think. In the sense of like they're saying they're really strongly recommending you do not get together with anyone who doesn't immediately live in your home. In fact, thinking thinking back about three weeks to the day is when, you know, all the sports shut down. And that's kind of when everything kind of tipped off. You know, I, I remember that specifically. Yeah. It was three weeks later. So, you know, we hadn't really recovered mentally from all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It It's and, and there again, it it ebbs and flows, right? Like it's grief, like it's not predictable. It's not something that is you can plan on feeling better in any type of progressive way. I remember Mother's Day, you know, however many weeks or months later, what, two and a half months later Mm -hmm. is when I got my first period after the surgery. And that was to me getting my first period on Mother's Day when I was expecting to be a mom on Mother's Day was for me was worse than going through the actual I remember how hard itself. that was on you. Yeah. And there was a lot going on around Mother's Day, too, that I was like, okay, well, maybe this will be a distraction. But, at, I mean, when you are at that level of grief and pain and sadness, there's really nothing that's going to make you better or make yeah. it distract it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that that was that to, that Mother's Day was the worst day of my life. Yeah. Like this most recent Mother's Day. Yeah, that so, was a very hard day. Yeah, I mean, and I've been through a lot of stuff in my <laughs> life, but I can say with 100% honesty that Mother's Day 2020 was the worst day of my life in a lot of ways, um, but especially the the grief and it being, you know, it being combined with the aspect of COVID and like not being able to have the support around me that I normally would have and have the distraction of like, you know, going to see my mom. I didn't see my mom at all on Mother's Day. I yeah. you know, spoke to her, of course, but it was just a lot of it. I mean, we we didn't really know how it was going to affect us, but we took the whole quarantine thing very seriously. But we still are. Unfortunately, that kind of meant that we were left to deal with it by ourselves. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, that our families didn't care or anything, but we isolated. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it ended up being very difficult on us. Yeah. I mean, we all we could do was follow the recommendations of what was being said by our government here in North Carolina, as well as like overall recommendations from epidemiologists mm-hmm. and people who, you know, and also we were starting to get back at that point um, information from how other countries had approached, you right. know, isolation and social distancing and what was working and what wasn't. And we were applying that to our own lives and still are 
today. You know, yeah. we still have feelings about what we should and shouldn't be doing in regards to social distancing and things like that. And just, and it's easier now in some ways, but also really hard because obviously like now we are pregnant and we would love to be able to do things like have celebrations and things like that. Um, but I think especially going through the miscarriage and being isolated and sometimes feeling like we were really the only ones who were doing it. I think like a lot of people that we were seeing on Facebook and things like that, or um, different people we knew personally were just not approaching it in the same way that we were. And yeah. so it, it just, it was a lot of, and to be clear, you know, the whole, whole, whole quarantine process is mentally taxing already. Yeah, absolutely. On, on anyone. And then to throw, you know, what we went through, you know, I'm not looking for like a pity party or anything, but it, it definitely made it harder on us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we really struggled through those months and it wasn't any easier given, you know, what you had heard about follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to go into, you know, the, the three months after. Yeah, we I was told and also saw confirmations of this online that it is easier And I don't know what they mean by easier, but I think they mean more common to become pregnant within three months of having a DNC performed. Um, So when that three months came and went, because like, I didn't even have a period for like two and a half months. Right. So I was like, oh, goody, like my ovulation time should be right at that three month mark. And when that came and went that first test of it coming back negative, I was like, "Okay, well, we're starting over, basically. Like I something good could have come from this DNC, which is that it would have made it easier for us to get pregnant. And that didn't happen. We're starting over from like basically, you know, step one of like how long it took us to even get pregnant at all, let alone with like a failed pregnancy like how long is it going to take for us to get pregnant with a successful pregnancy right so i don't know that we were like more intense about more i don't know if we were more intense or more relaxed about trying to get pregnant i think we were we hadn't given up by any means but you know we were we still hadn't really made any type of plans for like medical intervention or fertility testing or anything like that I hadn't increased any types of routines or included or added any routines that were not something that had already been parts of our plans. So we just continued on living life as best we could. Yeah. (laughs) And so now I think we're finally at the good news part. (laughs) Well, we're, we're, we're getting there. Do you have anything else to add? Well, I mean, you went to the doctor in June. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I went to the doctor in June for my annual. I had kind of let that slip a little bit, so I was a bit behind. And also, funny story, the reason why I went to go get, I went to the gynecologist initially was to have a breast exam done because I felt a lump in my breast that turned out to be, (laughs) it turned out to be a pimple. Yeah. (laughs) It was like under my breast where I couldn't really see it. And like, it was discolored. It was like red and I was like, oh crap. But it was like, it felt like a really full lump, like a freaking 
like a dime size, if not bigger. Yeah, it turned out it was a zit. It's a zit. Yeah. So uh. no worries there. But that's the reason I went. And they're like, OK, well, while you're here, do you want to just do your pap smear? And I was like, I guess. So <laughs> might as well, I guess. So I had my pap smear done. I, it was a different person, the same office, but different person that I saw. Um, and she goes to do my pap smear. And, you know, I'm like scooted all the way down with like my ass half hanging off of the exam table thing, my legs in the stirrups. And she's like getting ready to get in there. And she's she calls out to her nurse to go fetch her like a different speculum. And I'm like, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, your cervix is really high and really soft, like more than normal. So we're going to. um we're just we just need a different tool and I was like is is everything okay and she's like yeah it's just like different points in your cycle sometimes your cervix is like in different locations in your body and is you know so I was like okay whatever and so she does the exam she grabs everything she needs to grab and she does her stuff and she leaves and she's like go you know put your clothes back on so I put my clothes back on and when I stuck my head out to like, ch- you know, check where the exit was or whatever, she like peeps her head back in and she's like, she gives me this really like, I'll never forget this look. She gives me this knowing look and she's like, you're on prenatal vitamins, right? Cause you're trying to get pregnant. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And then she leaves, like she just walks away. And I looked it up. I was like, what is, what was that for? Like, and what's the whole high uter, like high uh, cervix thing? And apparently um, when your cervix is like really high and soft is like your optimal fertile window for that month. So I was like. It just happened to be like that day. So I was like, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, row. <laughs> and looking back. Uh, like like literally looking at the calendar and counting back of when I we would have conceived we conceived that day yeah so, <laughs> so we I talk about a lot like we kind of like low-key had a little bit of like medical advice like without her really without her really giving us medical advice like a hey Try tonight. <laughs> yeah, like I wonder if that wasn't like a little wink, wink from her. And I would really love to see her again and be like, "Hey, I'm pregnant." Was is that what you're trying to say? And just see if she was, if she remembers me at all. And yeah. if she did, then like, was she trying to be like, "Hey, <laughs> get you some tonight, girl. Get yours tonight." <laughs> yeah, t- tonight's the night. Tonight. Uh. So, anywho, it was. Um, your birthday, which is July 3rd, for yeah. those who don't know. So about two weeks later. Two weeks later, I was like, I was wondering about that comment that she made. And I'm like, no, it was a week later. Okay. Yeah, because it was too early. Okay. So, anywho, <laughs> um, I was like wondering about you. that comment. And I'm like, um, so I wonder if I'm pregnant but it was too early like I did take a test but I knew it was too early to tell um and it said negative so I was like all right whatever and we partied on Mm -hmm. your birthday we celebrated my birthday we we we, did we we had been quarantining we got together with friends who had been quarantining and it was kind of a, a a big night just because it was a chance to socialize yeah 
So we were really excited because we got together with like a select group of people that like we knew had been as serious as we had been about, you know, social distancing and stuff and that we all kind of needed a break right. from doing it. So we all got together and I was so drunk. I <laughs> was drunker than I think I've been in like, if not months, probably years on your birthday. Um, and I remember feeling really weird about it the next day, like guilty that I had gotten drunk because it wasn't long after your birthday that I started to feel like I, I am pregnant. Like I, I, it wasn't even a feeling like it was a knowledge. Like someone had put knowledge in my brain. You are pregnant. Yeah. It's starting to sound almost like you're completely in tune with your body. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you believe in that kind of thing or if you, I don't know, like, but I'm just telling you, that's what my experience was. Like I, knew I knew with all of my heart and soul and mind that I was pregnant and I took another test and it was negative and I was like I wasn't upset or disappointed I was just like oh it's too early like that's all it's just too early that was another two weeks yeah and I had taken it with like my afternoon urine when I had just peed like an hour or two before also so anyway the next week I took a test really early in the morning I think I woke up at like seven on my own this was July 19th. July 19th. And I'm like, today's the day. And I go into the bathroom. <laughs> Her life's a musical, y'all. <laughs> and I peed on the stick. And lo and behold, like, it was so positive that the, like, your, your pregnant line showed up before the control line. Like, it was almost more, uh, more sure than the test back in january that was like you're hella pregnant yeah uh it's like you're really hella pregnant i wasn't even like happy when i got the positive i was just like okay great finally like i've known for thanks for telling me what i already knew (laughs) i've known this for two weeks but whatever cool so i had i don't know i had thought that maybe i'll like I'll do something cute for Tim. I'll like go <laughs> find like a onesie or something and tell him in like a cute way. I don't know. I had thought maybe, but I was like, no, screw it. So I went in and I woke you up and I, this was like seven o'clock in the morning, seven thirty, something, something like, like that. that. And you're just like on a Sunday. You're like, what is it? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and you were, you said, really? And I showed you the test where the two really, really strong pink lines and you we just held each other and like cried. And it was such a sweet moment in our marriage that yeah. I'll remember forever. And it was really cute. And we I mean, I mean, our family, every single, you know, member of our close family knew, I think, within three hours of us knowing that yeah. <laughs> like we just called everybody and told them. And it was it just felt and it it felt then and it has felt ever since just so right. It's a completely different feeling for you than the last time. Yeah. Like I, I have not felt anxious. I mean, I felt anxious in the sense of like, oh, I can't wait for like my appointments to get here because like that's an exciting thing. <laughs> but I haven't felt anxious in the sense that I did before where it was like a dreadful, like a dreading anxiety. Uh, I felt very excited. We've really just taken this first trimester to just relax and enjoy, you know, it just being the two of us. Yeah, I mean, we're not we, rushing things like we were last time. Yeah, we, we've discussed a couple of things and we've like 
I've made some purchases and, you know, things like that. But I mean, overall, we've really just been enjoying the, you know, and every Friday is like when my weeks turn over to the next progressive week. And like every, I think Thursday night or Friday after you come home from work, we always look at like the, the whatever week it is video. And Tim has like, you know, my pregnancy tracker has like the fruits, but Tim has like a geek pregnancy. Yeah. Mine's all references to like (laughs) geeky crap. Yeah. Um, So I don't even remember what it is this week, but I think the week that it was, I don't know the, um, the 11 or 12 week one, you were like, it's the size of a Lego minifig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he has the in like the week that it was, you know, a raspberry. He's like, it's the size of a peanut M&M. <laughs> and let, let's see when when this episode releases, you'll be what, 13 or 14? 13. 13. So it's um, it's the size of the arc reactor from Iron Man. The, oh, right in his chest. that's big. Well, Goodness. I mean, I think it's more like. To, you, they can't see that, yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> but you can. You um, it's also the size of a lemon, for those who are yeah. not aware of the arc reactor size. But yeah, but I mean... But if you're listening to us, are you really unaware of what the arc <laughs> reactor is? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of like what we have done so far, we don't have much to tell you. Um, but... We are really, really excited and we're so excited. Like this isn't going to become like a pregnancy podcast by any means. No, but, but I'm sure there will be updates. Yeah, we'll we'll update you guys. And I'm sure that, you know, if you follow us on our socials and stuff, we're going to have pictures of like our little ultrasounds and thing. And like, I don't I'm not really like a bump date picture kind of gal, but I don't know. We'll we're just so excited to share so far, like. We felt so long, like we're waiting for our time to come in terms of like being first time parents. And it's finally here. And, and it's, it's been almost, what, three years three now years. that we've been trying. And it's just so right. Like, this is our baby. This is yeah. our child. And they're going to be awesome. And it's just so, so cool. So do we want to try these questions? <laughs> yeah, I gave Tim a list of questions that because I like I. Even when I was not a mom, I liked to listen to other people's like I'm having a baby chats. So these are like questions that I pulled that were like kind of common. All right. So the first one, and we've 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 addressed this one, so you can make this one short. But how did you find out? Uh, I knew. Like I knew. I knew. I knew. In my brain, like my body and brain knew before it could react with modern science (laughs) with the hcg i feel like phoebe a little bit from friends she's like my body has always moved faster than western medicine when she like takes the pregnancy test so quickly after her ivf but yeah i mean i knew like i was like she knew i was pregnant and i i don't know i don't know I, I don't want to get into it about like what you believe and what you don't believe, but like I just. But knew. you've been very in tune with your body this whole process. You you knew that something was wrong, and then there was the PCOS thing. Mm-hmm. Then you knew you were pregnant before, or you you were unsure, but you knew something was wrong before, mm-hmm. and then you knew this time, and this one feels kind of right. Yeah. Or does feel right? I guess. I just knew. Um. So the next question is, how are you feeling? Um, I would love to normalize women being able to talk about how much pregnancy sucks and it not being a joke. (laughs) Which is kind of what we're doing with this show. I mean, yeah, like 
it, it's it's a miracle and all the you know whatever but pregnancy sucks you got like it sucks and it, it's different for every woman every woman has her own you know laundry list of symptoms or maybe she doesn't feel any symptoms at all um i don't really want to compare my pregnancy to anyone else's but for me personally and my own perception of like my health and my body it's been awful yeah which leads into the next question of what symptoms have you had um, I have had nausea 24-7 for about seven weeks now. Yeah. I mean, I haven't thrown up very much, like actually the physical. Yeah, the, the traditional idea of morning sickness hasn't really been something that you've had. Yeah, I don't really, I don't like hug the toilet all the time, but like I'm nauseous constantly. Like there is not a moment in my life. I don't remember what it feels like to not feel nauseous anymore. Yeah. Um, and certain things definitely make it worse. I've had a lot of food aversions. Uh, nothing with like bone meat with bones has been like a big thing that yeah, chicken was a big one that like, you just suddenly could not have. Tim brought home some Chick-fil-A probably like five weeks ago or not Chick-fil-A uh, KFC because yeah. he got like drumsticks and stuff. And I almost had to leave the room. It was so awful. Yeah, um, you about made me leave the room. Yeah, I mean, and. I just have like a higher sense of smell, like a greater sense of smell right now too. Like certain things like that smell strong normally, like laundry detergent to me. If I smelled them right now, it would feel like I was drowning in them. And things that really barely had a smell or didn't have a smell before have a really strong, like a smell. Like I can smell the inside of, I can't go into the, it's really hard for me to go inside the refrigerator in our house because the fridge smell is awful to me. <laughs> it's just so bad. And I have it's like a superpower the the amount I can smell. Also water. Like I I'm a person that I really only drink water. Like I really don't and have never been interested in drinking anything other than water. Like I'm not a soda drinker. Um but water has been really hard for me to get down and I don't know why i spoke to my doctor about it and she was like <laughs> try different temperatures of water maybe try some water flavorings i don't know um i think those are the main what do you think headaches and heartburn are some recent yeah. additions to the club you haven't really had the cravings in the traditional sense you kind of just bounce back and forth real quick between like oh this sounds good no that sounds good mm-hmm. uh like that quickly too. Yeah. Uh, but nothing like, Ooh, I'm really craving or I really need to have this all the time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not having like the traditional. Yeah. It's a cravings. moving target. There's no predictability to yeah. what I will be able to eat on a certain day, which is super fun for me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's just, it's pretty annoying. I mean, it's, we're obviously really grateful and we're really excited, but You know, like in a lot of like sitcoms, you know, like when a woman is pregnant, like a character is pregnant and she talks about like pregnancy stuff. It's it's like it's a joke, right? Like people laugh after it. Like it's. But it's not funny. It's not funny. Like it's people just write it off as like, oh, oh, you silly thing. Pregnancy is terrible, isn't it? I've been through it, too. Or, you know, whatever it is. But like it's. It's really like I would love for people to be able to complain about their pregnancy without feeling the mom guilt of like needing to say like, oh, but it's all worth it. Or you what you know, whatever. It it sucks. Like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the next one is, uh, have your pets been acting differently? I think they have. Like, um, Knox is our cat and Oz is our dog. And our dog especially has been really pretty needy, I think. Like, more so than he... Like, we just adopted him, what, like, in... Actually, like, After right, the miscarriage. Yeah, we got him, like, right before lockdown. So, yeah. like, mid-March. Um, and he was pretty needy right when we first adopted him, and then he kind of wasn't. And then when I got pregnant again, he started to be really... Yeah. Like, when we take him over to see other dogs or something, he's, like, very showy mm-hmm. and, like, tries to get more attention and stuff. And I don't know. So, I think he's been more needy. And Knox has been more outgoing and more in our uh, bedroom and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, since. He's wanted to snuggle with us a little more, our yeah. cat. And and he'd been very averse to Oz for a while. And it's, like, right around the time that we realized you were pregnant he started coming out of that shell. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is, do you know if it's a boy or a girl? I do not yet know if it's a boy or a girl. I I have a very strong feeling. Like, when I, when I knew that I was pregnant before the test confirmed it, I knew that it was a certain gender. Yeah, we, we've kind of learned to go with your gut, and we kind of are leaning one way, but we're not ready to admit that. Yeah, we're not ready announce. to announce what it what the gender is quite yet. Um, but you have a gut feeling. I have a gut feeling. I every time I think of it or dream about our kid, it is that gender, and that's what it, we've been referring to it as. And um, we've already made some very specifically gendered purchases in terms of clothing and stuff. So but nothing major. It. It it better be what I think it is, basically. <laughs> but we will announce that when we know officially, which should be in a, here in about six weeks. All right. Next one is, are you nervous about being pregnant during the pandemic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if we were serious before, I think I'm far more serious now about isolating and being really cautious about, like, washing hands and things like that. Um. You know, we, we've talked about, you know, a quarantine plan if one of us should test positive mm-hmm. um, or specifically me uh, testing positive and you testing negative. You know, we've, we've talked about you going to stay with your parents for a couple of weeks if needed. Yeah. I mean, one interesting thing that's come about from me being pregnant and me being so confident that this is like a good, strong pregnancy has been like this mama bear thing that I've developed. Like normally I'm, I'm quite a people pleaser. I will say like, Mm -hmm. I will put myself at, you know, in extreme discomfort in in order to just not shake it up at all. Right. Um, but I feel very strongly that there is like nothing and no one that I care about more than the health of this child. (laughs) And, the health of me obviously being like the vessel for this child. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely really nervous and it's also a little bit um, discouraging because I've seen quite a few people who are, are a little bit further along than me announce their pregnancy and people make jokes about like, Oh, uh, here's another quarantine baby or, (laughs) Oh, you just, you got really bored, huh? Right. Like being alone together. And we are not naming our child Corona. No, Uh, Um, But on a more serious note, I would really discourage 
anyone from making those types of jokes. If you do see someone announcing their pregnancy from um, a time which is which has been traditionally like a quarantined or isolating time in America, just because you don't know, you know, you don't know what that couple has gone through. And to imply that their pregnancy is a result of boredom or, you know, something else I think is really kind of a bad, bad form kind of thing to say. So I would really discourage anybody from making those kinds of jokes. Um, because no one has said that to me because not many people obviously yet know that I'm pregnant. Um, it's just been our close friends and family, but yeah, I, I just want to put that out there that I think that that is a really kind of a, a, a not great thing to say. So yeah, that's another aspect of being pregnant in this time of coronavirus that I think, you know, sucks also. <laughs> Are you going to have a gender reveal party slash baby shower? Uh, we will not be having a gender reveal party because I I just have never been interested in them. Yeah, that's especially just... now with everything that's going on in California. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I mean, we would never have anything with explosives. Certainly, <laughs> um, our gender reveal is going to be. You know, our doctor will look at the screen and be like do you want to know and we'll be like yeah and then she'll tell us and And then (laughs) it'll probably go exactly as the announcement of the baby has been we will tell our close family and friends and everybody else will find out on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i mean i not i mean if you have one that's up to you like that's just your whatever but i just don't like them for me personally i don't like attention and i don't like people gathering in my honor for really any reason so no we will not be having a gender reveal in that sense but we will share i think the gender before the baby arrives but what about a baby shower that one is harder to say because it's a little bit further down the line i think i never really saw myself having that before as early as like 30 weeks of pregnancy which is quite a while from now right and obviously will depend on the state of things at the time we have pretty constantly remained at the same level of seriousness about, you know, isolating and distancing and not having any types of gatherings that are more than like five people or anything like that. And we've been pretty consistent with that. So I think that if it looks like that is a bad idea, according to medical experts and our own government and things like that, we probably will not have one in the sense of like everybody gathers together at the same time. Yeah, we'll figure out another solution. We might. Yeah, we might end up doing like quite a few smaller parties with like small groups of people and then waiting a bit and then having another one or something. Uh, We might do a virtual. I'm not really sure it. We'll just have to kind of play it by ear and see how we're looking a few months from now. All right. Two more questions. What is the best and worst thing about being pregnant? The best thing about being pregnant is being so excited to fulfill what I've known for a long time, which is like how great of a dad you're going to be. (laughs) You are going to be such an amazing, amazing father. And you're already you have shown me that throughout our entire relationship with how attentive and caring you've been towards me. But especially now you've been, Tim has been incredible, like just really, really amazing. And 
I think it's just really indicative of how great of a father and husband and like figure of someone to look up to our child is going to have. And to be able to see that fulfilled for you finally, and to be able to want to be the one to fulfill that for you is just so cool. And it's something I'm like, I'm fine with the pregnancy taking as long as it's going to take, but I really cannot wait to see you be a dad to this baby. And the worst thing? Uh, I mean, of course, all the symptoms is, is really difficult. I, you know, not feeling quite like myself, um, and there being nothing that anybody can do, including me, you know, for a lot of it. Um, there's some, you know, things that I've discussed with my doctor and, you know, things that maybe could make my life a little easier, but aren't really a good idea for me specifically. So like it's left us where there's like pretty literally nothing that anyone can do to make me feel better or anything like that. And that is hard. Um, It's also obviously really hard to, I guess like, I don't know, like once you become pregnant, if you have people in your life who are close to you in terms of family and things like that, um, it's a really, really cool thing to be able to, you know, include them in that aspect. But it's also a little bit hard to it what it feels like lose some of maybe your privacy or your, you know, routines or something like that. I'm just kind of anticipating that, you know, once the baby is here that we probably will lose a little bit of those things that we enjoy as a couple and as our, you know, as our routines have like dictated and that we've enjoyed for the entire time we've lived together. Um, so I guess it's just the anticipation really of like our lives are no longer our own in a lot of ways, like uh, even aside from just the baby. And the last one is tips or advice for anyone trying to get pregnant. Hmm. You know, um, I do have thoughts about pregnancy and conception and things like that. I, I don't agree as a general rule to just share those things in like a you know the broader sense like I don't um I'm not really interested in in being a person that gives unsolicited advice just like I'm not a person who's interested in receiving unsolicited advice um I will say if you have specific questions for me as an individual or for Tim you can certainly message us and we will have you know, that conversation with you specifically, but as like a general piece of advice, what I will say is I would say just be kind to yourself. Like it's, if your expectations for what your conception journey or your pregnancy are not what is happening in reality versus what you had pictured, to just be kind to yourself. And what I mean by that is specifically, um, I always thought that when I got pregnant, I would be really, you know, strict with myself about what I put into my body. Like I would eat, you know, I would eat whole foods and I would be strictly organic and it would be, I would be chugging water night and day and, you know, doing all of those things. And that has not been my reality because there are some days where it's just like, 
I put in my body, whatever will provide me with calories to live and (laughs) I can keep down. Um, And I have not been, I, there have been times when I felt a little guilty about that, but I would just say to like, if you have concerns about maybe something not lining up with the way that you saw it being before, or that doesn't match up with your plans to maybe speak with a doctor or, um, if you do want advice from somebody to get advice, but in general to just be okay with doing the best that you can. And that is okay. And babies are incredibly resilient and they're just chilling in there. And if you're taking your prenatal vitamins, most likely they are, those little parasites are sucking up every (laughs) piece of nutrient that they need from you and they're doing just fine. So yeah, I mean, in general, again, we're not going to provide any medical advice in any way, but just be okay with what your reality is. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Marital Tiffs. Oh, we, we talked about a lot today, guys. Yeah, this was a long one. <laughs> this was a long episode, but I am so excited. We're so, so excited to finally share this with you guys. I mean, we can't even tell you the number of episodes we've recorded knowing that I'm pregnant <laughs> and not saying anything. I Tim deserves a medal. Like, yeah, you could do the math. We found out in mid July, <laughs> yeah. uh, so seven or eight episodes. Yeah, and also any arguments that we've had, uh, maybe give me a little more leeway because I was <laughs> sick as hell recording those episodes. The, the hardest one was our two episodes where we were talking about major life change I in know. the middle of Corona, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. And also Amber and Brandon and Minda and Bone knew that they were like they were told they were some of the people we told that I was pregnant so to not have none of us bring it up at any point I think was just like a Herculean feat and it was just super cool but anyway I mean to finally be able to share with you guys is something that is so awesome and precious to us and we definitely cherish and if you have any additional questions for us that we didn't cover or if you do want our advice about anything that we discussed Um, We definitely would be happy to chat with you guys. And, you know, we told you from the beginning at the every start of this podcast that we're bringing you into our marriage. And I think that we have proven now that that is true. Yeah. And and while we're not trying to be like road pavers, we do think that some of the stuff that we've talked about isn't talked about enough. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why we wanted to be upfront with with our audience. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you have questions or discussion about some of those things, you can you can weigh in on all our social media at Marital Tiffs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If some of those things are something you don't want to post publicly where everybody can see, you can email us at MaritalTiffs at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe anywhere you find your podcast. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, please rate and review us. You can find us on the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Check out 910 Comedy on Facebook and check out our sister shows, That's Just My Face, Hometown Crowd, and Dead Girls Talking. Thanks for listening to Marital Tiffs. Thank you.